American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another episode of American Hammers Radio. This is episode number 24. I am your host, Tex of the Fresno Irons, joined as always by the dashing, the dapper, the one and only Liam Bright. Liam, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. It's excellent to see you again. I'm excited to get into uh, all of the particulars of our the state of this club, the state of our minds, and really the state of our hearts. I'm interested. Uh, you say excited. I'm pissed. <laughs> um, uh, excitement is not uh, an emotion I would say I'm feeling. I think the last time I felt this emotion was the last time I was on a date, and I realized that the person across from me looked like a foot. So uh, <laughs> that's kind of uh, where I'm at here. Uh, we had a rough one on Saturday, Liam. It was not fun. Um, there was times that we thought it was going to be fun, but we were lied to. The things we saw on the pitch didn't actually prove what we thought we were seeing. It was smoke and mirrors, Liam. I felt like I went to a magic show and then everybody told me how the tricks were performed and therefore I didn't care anymore. I got to a point in that game in our 3-3 draw against fucking Brighton. Okay, <laughs> It's Brighton. You know what people do in Brighton? Brighton is a city where people go on vacation. It's a beach town. It's our Pismo Beach. If you don't know anything about Fresno, California, all Fresnans go to Pismo Beach. It's where everybody goes to relax. They don't care about sports down there. They don't care. And we drew with them. Their mascot, Liam, is a fucking seagull. And we drew with them. Which, interesting tidbit, they actually employ Falcons because there are so many seagulls at the Amex Stadium that the Falcons have to try to curb the population. Because otherwise, the fans will get shit on constantly, which would make them think they're West Ham fans. So <laughs> we gotta, we got to make sure that you know, we have that degree of separation. And I like what you're saying, the idea of this, uh, you know, at a magic show being shown the magic tricks. But I think it's more than just being shown the magic tricks. I think it's being shown the magic tricks while the magician is having sex with your mother. It is, it is incredibly painful to, to watch this just trash fire. This is, this is an absolute garbage fire right now of, uh, of a performance. And it's, it, it's so, it's such a roller coaster ride because we were absolute limbs on Saturday morning. I mean, this is a 7 a.m. game for us here on the West Coast. West Coast. I rolled in, and at first it was just you and me again, and then slowly the rest of the uh, Fresno Irons matriculated into uh, Full Circle Brewery, but it was, you know, as these goals were getting banged in, I mean, we were absolutely ecstatic. I mean, even... Because what it was, Franco called, our buddy Franco, who has an illustrious, beautiful beard. And if you guys are not following us on Instagram, absolutely do so, American Hammers Radio. Uh, but you actually can watch in the, uh, uh, the the stories, you can actually see Franco's magnanimous beard. But he predicted 3-1. And so when we were up 3 and that goal goes in and we're like, oh, you called it, it's going to be 3-1. Like We legitimately thought, like, oh, this is it, this is game over. There's 20 minutes left to play. There's not a single... Single option that we are going to lose this game. It literally never crossed our minds. And then the inevitable occurs. Glenn fucking Murray and just our defense with a, 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 a circus of errors at this point. It was, I guess we shouldn't have been surprised, but we're West Ham United. So we always get our hopes up just to get let down. It's Murphy's Law in perfect <laughs> harmony. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. That's what happened to West Ham United. Um, we got to see Robert Snodgrass score a couple of goals. Both deflected. Uh, I, but, I mean, it's Robert Snodgrass. Yes. He's finally getting the luck to bounce his way, which is nice to see. Unfortunately, what we did know is that all the we also not only we're going to get all the good luck in that game, we got all the bad luck in that game. <laughs> I had to balance it. Uh, yeah, I mean it's. I watching that game. L let's take a look at these things. Fabianski goes to punch a ball, punches it, hits off the back of the head of Ogbana, and goes in the net. We can look at that, and and I think we were sitting there trying to de trying to decipher what had happened. And I made the comment. I mean, what what do you want Fabianski to do? He has to play the ball. Yeah, he has to do something to the ball, and he was unable to catch it. So that's the next best option to me. That is just pure bad luck. Then you have Diop make a mistake where he tries to uh, pass a ball back to Fabianski. It's a poor pass. It doesn't have enough on it, and they get it, and they score another goal. 
So you're looking at going, okay, we've handed them two goals. And I looked at you and I said this line, we've handed them two goals. They didn't earn them. They were handed to them by West Ham United. The problem is Brighton's good enough to get one and they haven't got their one yet. And sure as hell, minutes after I say that, Glenn fucking Murray <laughs> puts one in the back of the net. And we all said, nope, handball. We all knew it. We knew it yeah, was a handball. Absolutely. It Without was clearly a handball. You could see his arm move. You could see that the ball moves in the opposite direction of the arm. It falls perfectly to his feet. And Fredericks has got his back turned, not in a, in a good position to be able to play the ball. Glenn Murray fires one past Fredericks. Fabianski's too late to react. Slides right underneath the keeper into the back of the net. And then we set through everybody's favorite uh, VAR checking goal. Um, sure as hell, when we were watching the replay, I think we all kind of saw that the replay was so inconclusive and it looked close enough to allow the goal that we knew. Yeah. What does VAR do? VAR rewards anybody that plays West Ham United. If you want to see VAR in action and you team to benefit from it, play West Ham United. It's going to benefit you. Um, and I... I did a show with Zach before you and I started, Liam, and Zach used to tell me all the time, and he lied to me, and I'm still <laughs> mad about it. He said, VAR will give West Ham 10 more points than they had last year. Bullshit! <laughs> it didn't give us anything. In fact, it's done the opposite and taken 10 points from us, in my opinion. I, I got I to say this, though. The mistakes hurt, but what sealed our fate was David Moyes, Yep. And the substitutions that he made. We are a different team when Mikel Antonio was on the pitch and he took him off. Yep. Not only did he take him off, the guy sitting on a hat trick, he took him off, Robert Snodgrass. So close. He easily could have banged in one more goal if you leave him on. There's there's not a doubt in my mind that if Snodgrass stays on there, he either scores the third goal to give himself the hat trick or he sets up a goal and we end up winning 4-3. There's just there's not a doubt in my mind. He is absolutely an ace, a pinpoint marksman when it comes to set piece delivery, whether it's free kicks, whether it's corners. There is nobody else I want to take free kicks. I don't care if Anderson is back. I'm still going to give the ball to Snodgrass. He's better with it. He knows exactly what to do with it. And especially a team like uh, a team like Brighton, we had it in us. That first goal that Diop slides in to put put past which we had learned our lesson and we waited to celebrate on that one because we were like oh there's no way VAR is going to pull us on it but luckily Diop was actually behind the line whereas I think Alaire and somebody else was actually ahead so they would have been offsides had they tried to play the ball so we were lucky on that first one that Diop had waited that extra second before pulling forward and that nobody else tried to play the ball but Snodgrass hands down to me was man of the match he was absolutely our talisman on the pitch that day and removing him to me made even that made that made the least amount of sense with Antonio. You could at least see that he was fairly gassed and I get it. He's coming back off of yet another injury, but like you said, and you had been calling this while we were uh, watching the match was pull off a lair, put Antonio up front. Don't make him run back to defend, sit in between the center backs and keep them pinned back. And it would have created more space in the midfield. I agree wholeheartedly. This is not a doubt in my mind that if that had been the decisions made, we, that game turns out differently. The only player on the pitch that anybody fears of anybody we go against is Mikel Antonio because he's a brute and he is so powerful that even if you you have to have two guys watching him because he's better than one guy. And I mean, we saw him. He, I we saw him push around a lot of guys that are bigger than him, like Virgil Van Dyke last year when he went up against him. Yeah, you know, Virgil Van Dyke's going, man, where the hell is this guy coming from? <laughs> so, so my point is always going to be this. If we are in a relegation fight, right? That's what we're in. We're sitting in 18th on goal differential, and it's not looking good for us. And here's the point. If we're going to go down, let's at least go down with our best players on the pitch at all times. Robert Snodgrass should never leave the pitch because he is the one guy that has consistently put the ball in the pot on set pieces, consistently found the creative pass, doesn't hit the feet like Pablo Fornals does. He's in a situation there where if he's on the pitch – you know that if he gets the ball, there's a good shot he's going to find that key pass. He may not, but he's the guy with the best opportunity that we have. And that's over Lanzini, over even though he's injured Anderson. There's not another player that we have 
that can do it. Now, we have not seen the new boy from Hull City, and Bowen might be that type of player as well, and I understand it. But I watched Bowen's highlights, and I'm just going to say this. I did not see a lot of great set pieces. He's a very good player, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if he's a creator. I think he is more of a goal scorer than a creator, which is something we need. I'm not trying to knock him. We definitely need his abilities on the pitch. But Robert Snodgrass cannot come off. And the fact that we're even contemplating taking him fucking moise that tells me right there that you're not the man to fix this situation. And the fact that we had to give him an 18-month contract, Liam, I mean, I let's be real here. It does not look good for West Ham United. It's looking bad. And I think for the first time since my first year rooting for him, there is a legit shot even better than ever, even with all the talent and money we've put into this team, we're going to go down. I want to know. That's a stat I'd like to know. (laughs) Are we going to have the highest payroll of any team to ever get relegated? Because I think we might. We almost have to. And then you figure it's going to be laughable playing in the championship inside that fishbowl. You're going to have a 60,000-seated stadium that – You'll be lucky to get twenty, thirty thousand at that point. I mean, you know, a lot of the people, a lot of the fans, the supporters that live over there have talked about the championship away days are a lot of fun. Being able to play, you know, Bristol City, Birmingham, you know, Hull, like there are a lot of teams down in the championship that they haven't been up in the Premier League for a while. So it'll be fun to to experience those days again. But I, I mean, for us over here, like it's 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 a it's an event being able to play against other Premier League teams. You know, like when we're going up against Tottenham, we're going up against Liverpool, Man City, you know, Arsenal, Chelsea. Like, to me, those are the big games, especially when we're playing those other London clubs. I mean, even Crystal Palace I get up for because, to me, like, that's a good battle. I always think that that's, that's a fairly well-matched game because they're going to put, typically, in as much fight as we do. And I just don't see the championship... Um, being as entertaining for us over here. Maybe for those that are able to see it locally, that'll still be uh, an enjoyable experience. But I think for us, it's going to be, well, yeah, we should beat all of these teams. Why we're not, we shouldn't be in this division, but based on the performances, based on the way that our team looks right now, it almost feels like we should. We kind of talked about this the other week about the loss to West Brom. It looked like they were the Premier League side and we were the championship side. It's it's laughable to think that we should struggle against teams like this. Why are we struggling against West Brom? Why are we struggling against Brighton? These are These are must-win games that we're barely walking out with a point. I mean, we even thought at one point, like, Brighton's probably going to put another one past us, and we're going to end up losing this game 4-3 after surrendering a 3-1 lead. It's, it, it's, it's difficult to watch, and it's, it's a complete lack of understanding when it comes to Moyes and his tactics, and these substitutions are starting to look very Pellegrini-esque. I, oh, man. Um, first off, uh, Whoever says, you know, hey, it's going to be fun being on the show. Fuck off. No. <laughs> no. I Look, I, I want us to get relegated, but my reasons for wanting to get relegated, I've already outlined on other shows. The truth of the matter is, I say I want us to get relegated, but in my heart, I don't. I want to be playing Liverpool. Yeah. I want to be playing Man City. I want to be playing Chelsea in the top, the rest of the top six. The, the fact is this, Liam. Um, we don't have any direction as a club. We just, I, I literally feel like our board uh, throws shit at the wall and sees what sticks. Yep. And, and there's, no, there's no understanding of the way things need to be done. Because the point is this, Sir Alex Ferguson, greatest manager probably of all time in England. Pro, I mean, it'd be hard pressed. I mean, you could put Brian Cloth in that mix, but really Sir Alex with the longevity he had. And yes, I understand he was at Manchester United. But look at Manchester United now without him. They're yeah. not the same. So what, what is the one thing that he always preached? It was consistency. And what's the one thing West Ham have not had since pretty much Sam Allardyce is consistency. At least under Sam Allardyce, say what you want about the man, we were consistent. We pretty much put out the same performance every single time. It was going to be a tight game. We were going to play long ball. And if we nicked a goal or two, we're going to win the game. Right. And that was just the way it was. It does. Nobody likes to watch that type of football. I know that you're rolling your eyes right now, Liam. Um, But the truth is it was consistent, and that's when we were a strong team. Ever since 
Allardyce is gone. And I do not hit me up on social media and say, you want Allardyce back. Do not want fucking Allardyce back. But my point is this. Allardyce was probably the strongest football-minded manager that we have had since I've been rooting for him. And since we came up from the championship, Allardyce had a clear plan. He knew what he wanted to do. Whether you liked it or not, he had a plan. We have not had a manager since then that knows what they want to do with this club. And it's frustrating because David Moyes, I'm telling you right now, Liam, I'm telling you, the guy is not going to take us anywhere. In these 18 months, I'm really curious if we're even going to get back up because I, I, I've sold the ship. Yeah. We're going down. I've accepted it. I've already looked into packages on ESPN <laughs> Plus on how to get these games so the Fresno Irons continue to meet. That's where I'm at. So that game against Brighton, and I told you this, that was a microcosm of who West Ham is. Yep. There's a lot of potential. We can score goals when we're on point, but too often do we not keep our head in the game and mistakes happen? And it's the same thing with what the decisions the board makes. They hit on a transfer, and the next three transfers, they don't. So my point is going to be this. West Ham United need to realize right now that this is this is you know DEFCOM 9, <laughs> not fucking 4 or 5. This is DEFCOM 9. And we have to sit there and look at this situation because when you lose a game like that, when you have a two-goal lead twice, twice, Liam, and you find a way to draw, I, I said lose, but we drew. It feels like a it loss. It did. It really did feel like and a loss. It's a situation here where I look at our next six matches, Liam. Just look at them. Yep. Okay. Um, you look at these next six matches, the inevitable question comes up, where are we going to find any points? Yeah. And it's, I think that's what's, I mean, that's the question on everyone's mind right now. You look at Man City away, then you've got a two week break because it's the mandatory break that the FA put in. And then we hit Liverpool away. So we're, you know, we're at last season's champion, current season's champion at their home field. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that is an opportunity for us, as we said before, to upset the apple, apple cart to some degree and maybe rain on some parades. Man, um, uh, what was it? Man City just lost to Tottenham, wasn't it? So, I mean, there are teams out there that they're still beatable. I mean, I know it was painful to watch that, you know, 5-0 loss to kick off the season this year, but I think we were not in the right form. I think Man City was. I think that Man City's actually struggled a little bit more. The wins that they've had have been very close. They haven't really been that dominant force. Uh, I, I don't know if it's because Pep Guardiola's message is getting lost in the locker room or if it's just they've, you know, it's the post Christmas blues. I'm not sure. Uh, after that, I think Southampton is absolutely where we can try to pick up some points. <laughs> I know, I know, but it is one of those. Uh, you know, we will have it at home. So I think this, this is the opportunity coming off of the Man City match and the, the Liverpool match. What will really be difficult is because it's only five days after Liverpool. So having enough rest, having enough depth in the bench to be able to sort of replenish the squad at that point. If, if Anderson is back, I think that definitely helps us. If Bowen hits the ground running, and even if we lose the matches against Man City and Liverpool, if he has a good showing and can build his confidence, I think going into Southampton, he can be a, very, uh, a veritable threat. Uh, Arsenal... Uh, at Arsenal, I think we can actually nick a point off of that one. I don't think we'll win, but I think we could take a point off of Arsenal because they're they're still dog shit. I mean, we should have won the last time we played them, but as typical West Ham fashion, we surrendered. Uh, I think Wolves, it, even if the even though it's at home, I think we lose to Wolves. Uh, I think they're just they're firing on all cylinders. Uh, I do. I fully expect them to finish in the top four because they they just they have a game plan that works. They have players that are completely devoted and fight for that badge. Uh, so I actually expect Wolves to be a loss. Uh, Tottenham at New Scheidhart Lane. I actually expect us to win that one, to be honest. I know we, we, we won one nil with the Antonio goal last year. It was the first, we were the first team not only to beat them, but to have the, be that rivalry as well in the new stadium. I mean, that was fantastic. So I do think we go up for the Tottenham match. Hopefully Harry Kane's still injured at that point. He should be, he should be out. I think it was, till like the end of March or something or beginning of April. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't pay attention to to white shit lanes, so I, right? I don't know when their injuries are, when they're not. Well, I try to look at like what, if they have uh, players that. Uh, Typically give us fits you that not, struggle against us. Do you not get us? like a stomach ache when you think about Tottenham? <laughs> like I, I, I get IBS when that happens. I, I, I could feel that. For me, it's more of a, a, a migraine, like a migraine headache that now I'm going to have to sit in the dark with earplugs on. So <laughs> to understandable. Try to, some to try people to have to go it. to church and uh, cleanse the soul. I get it, it. Absolutely, bathe in uh, holy water to some degree. So I really think that that that's where it's going to be kind of difficult within the next six matches. Uh, I think after that, Chelsea at home, Newcastle away, Burnley at home. Those are all absolute winners those are those are where we're going to pick up the points i think people are it's not that we're being short-sighted but we have to play what's in front of us so we're looking at those next six six matches and saying yeah i mean probably four maybe even five out of those six we're probably not going to even pull a single point off of but then i think after that we absolutely have the opportunity to do so but let's keep in mind that we've surrendered 19 points from winning positions so far this season. So if you look at us right now in 18th on goal differential with those 19 points would catapult us up to fourth place. 19 points, right? 19. 19 points and that's from pretty winning much, positions. That's pretty much what Liverpool has on on, on uh, Leicester for, for the for the second run. So we are uh, we 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 should be picking up the points that Liverpool apparently has. So here's what I'm going to say. I think that's an interesting stat, 19 points. Liam, all I can tell you, as I can tell you have kids. You're great at telling a bedtime story. You make me feel <laughs> better about the situation. I'll tuck you uh, in, kiss your forehead, you, you know. Everything's okay. My bottom is special and like nobody that's else's. Right. That's right. Uh, here's the truth, Liam. We're not going to get more than one point in the next six matches. I'm going to be pessimistic. I think we could pull out a draw, could potentially, against Southampton. The form we're in and the way we're playing, Liam, I don't think if we go score four goals, we're going to find a way to give up five. Like, I just, I don't have confidence in what this team can do. Um, I I like the talent, but I've said this for so long, we're disjointed in the way that we play. Um, we've got a lot of guys, but I feel like everybody's playing their own game. I've said it about Lanzini. I said it last show. I defended him, and I, I think he proved it again when he went out there against Brighton. There's just situations that we don't have a stable leading force on the team to bring everybody together. You know, let's take a look at Leicester. Let's just look at what Leicester's championship run that they made, Okay. Name one player on that team that was world class besides um, Conte. Maybe Riyad Mahrez. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But really, it's Conte is the really only true world class player. I'm not going to say Vardy no, because Vardy's no. not better than than his own countrymen on the national team, and he has to. He's a substitute at best for that team. But my point is this: they were a team. They knew exactly how to play. And I don't, you know, I'm not going to say Ranieri was the answer, but the proof is that we've got more talent than that Leicester side had. We do. We have more talent on our team than that Leicester side did, and we can't do anything. But let me ask you this, though, Tex. So think about it in, you know, uh, talk like if if you're thinking about inflation, right? Where, you know, when, when we talk about box office uh, numbers and you go, oh, well, this movie made X amount of money. And you're like, well, yeah, but that's because movies are so much more expensive now. You know, it's 12, 13 bucks to go to these movies and you've got IMAX and all this stuff. So when you think about Lester's run, it, it's not I'm not trying to take anything away. I think that that team was absolutely better than like the, the sum of the parts was were better than the individual contributors. Right. Like they were better as a whole than they were as as, as individuals. I think with what the league was that season. I think you had teams that struggled. I think you can, you can see some echoing effects to this season that I'm not taking anything away from Liverpool. I think that they absolutely are firing on all cylinders, but I also think the rest of the league has been bizarre. It has been very odd to see the teams that are in the middle of the table that typically you would never look at those teams and say, Oh yeah, no, they should be in 10th place. Oh yeah. They should absolutely be in, in eighth place. You, you kind of think about this season as a, uh, an outlier to some degree. So when you think about that Leicester team, do you think that that team would still perform as well as they did that season in the current season? I think that Leicester team would be in the top four. But hands down, do you think I that think team might is, be fourth? Do you think they're better than this current iteration of Leicester City? A hundred percent. 
No, no way. Them. Okay, I would have yeah. said that this I, season I think, was probably actually a better team. I, I, I think that team was way better. They had Conte, they had Riyad Mahrez in form. They had, um, you know, they. I think they were clearly a better side. My, my, my point is this: you're right to a degree on the point that there's some odd things that have happened this year. Man City has dropped way more games than I think any of us ever anticipated to do. Right. And, you know, I have my own thoughts on why that's happening, which it, I'm going to hint at when we do our game preview at Man's, Man City and if we're going to get anything out of that game, how that's actually going to happen. But, Liam, I, I'm telling you the truth, man. I, I believe in trends and I believe in form, and I don't see anything out of West Ham United that gives me any hope whatsoever that we're going to be able to stay up. I just don't see it because we had, let's be honest, attacking wise against Brighton, that's probably the best game of the year for West Ham United when it goes to attacking. Other than maybe Bournemouth. I'd say Bournemouth was probably the only better one because at least with Bournemouth, it was like clean goals, let's say. I mean, Stodgrass, not taking anything away from him, but they were deflections, but you know, you you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, right? So for him, we look at that with Diop. You know, he has the little sliding toe poke, which was fantastic. But I think you look at the Bournemouth game, and to me, that was a masterclass in terms of West Ham United uh, in in being able to score goals. Like I just thought that we we were operating like a top six team uh, at, at that particular game. So knowing that we have the potential to do that is why the surrender to Brighton was so painful. Because Brighton, to me, absolutely should have been like the Bournemouth game, where we should have taken it to them front to back, top to bottom, all 90 minutes. And I I had said at halftime, I expected us to double, possibly triple our lead. I thought we were two goals at halftime. I was like, we'll probably finish with, I said nine, but I was being facetious. I legitimately was thinking four or five. I was like, we're going to, we're going to hammer these guys. It's going to be an absolute beatdown. And we're going to go into these, this next match flying high we're gonna be on cloud nine coming in against man city and now i think you look at how they had their heads down those last 20 minutes i kind of feel like we're gonna go in similar to liverpool game we're gonna sit deep we're gonna be timid we're gonna be scared and it's it's difficult because we should be that attacking attractive football we should have the confidence in the attack but as you said we don't they don't have the confidence in themselves how are we as supporters going to have confidence in this team I, I'm I'm questioning if it's even confidence anymore, and I stand corrected. You're right. We were definitely better attacking against Bournemouth, but but my point is that's still a top a top uh, game for us attacking forward. But when we this is my problem, when we make mistakes, it's the worst mistake you can make. And that's what I'm saying. It's not going our way. The ball is not bouncing our way this year. If so, whatever we are, we are the iteration of Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I mentioned it earlier, and it's going to happen again. Uh, we could, like, this is the God for honest truth. We could go up 2 0 on Man City. And with, seven, with 70 minutes gone, 20 to go, we'll lose 5 2. Yeah, and we'll lose five two because they'll kick it. The wind will blow the ball back in. <laughs> Fabianski won't be looking, and it'll find its way into the net. You know, yeah. a, a hedgehog will come out and knock the ball in for Man City. I mean, that, those are the type of things that are happening to us this year. And I, I just think you you have to realize that it's not going our way. And when it's not going our way, what do you do? Well, you go down with your best players on the pitch at the very least. And we're not even doing that. Right. The, the the things that we can control, Liam, we're not doing. When you pull off those players, it it's incredibly frustrating because we're sitting in a situation right now where we don't have an opportunity to get points because our manager and the decisions being made by the board are stifling what's happening on the pitch. Right. And it's frustrating. All right, look, they put their money where their mouth is and they went out and got a, a top-level championship player (laughs) let's make that clear it's a top level championship player and what's the one thing that always happens in the january transfer window you pay a lot more than you should for a guy i'm not saying bowen's not going to be a good player but i am saying we overpaid for him yeah and the the point is go get proven proven guys this is a very rough situation and the decisions that are being made that are constantly impacting the team and fans like you and i Okay, fan is short for fanatic, and you and I are fanatics. We love West Ham United. We bleed claret and blue. We want to see this team succeed. But I'm to the point where where is the soul of the club? 
Like, where is the soul? Where is that fight? Where is the guy that's going to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and go out there and perform no matter whether we're winning 4-0 or losing 4-0? I just don't think this team understands what's happening because I think there's a caveat for all these guys. Well, if we go down, I'm going to get sold. And this is what I said last week. We got to buy West Ham guys. Guys, we got to stop trying to go find the best player and go find the right player. And it's very infuriating for me. And, you know, we, you mentioned this in our pre-production meeting, and I want to get into this. We talked about guys are going to get a scruff of the neck. Well, the board's making more decisions. They're bringing in new coaches now. Yes. And one of the names we all know, Kevin Nolan, who I, he gets a lot of stick. I don't understand why the guy gave us everything he had. He's a little bit, a bit of a cunt, but the reason he's that way, I mean, that, that's a West Ham player to me. You got to be that way a little bit, just like Julian Dix was. Yeah. Um, just like Mark Noble currently is. So when you look at it, they're bringing him in along with a man by the name who every time I saw his name flash across the screen, I thought it said Paul Newman. <laughs> That's not his name. Which would also be exciting, but uh, in a very different way. Yeah, I mean, old blue eyes, bring him back. You right. Know, but uh, the, the point is, you know, they're bringing in uh, Paul Nevin, um, who was at Brighton and Norwich, right? Yeah, yeah, which I think, and we talked about this earlier, but it, it we're drawing from the wrong groups. Like, why are we not pulling staff from the top level teams like why are we looking at teams that are our level or far far below what our level is when you really think of our team on paper you know the the name west ham the gravitas that comes with that why are we looking at brighton why are we looking at norwich and going hey who didn't work out at your team yeah let's bring them on like it's just and i don't know paul nevin i don't really know his cv but it's it doesn't fill me with uh, excitement. Honestly, I would have preferred to bring in someone like Joel Cole, somebody that is unproven but will absolutely step into this team, step in as a as an assistant coach and be able to help motivate and drive these guys, have them keep their heads up. He's the type of guy that Mark Noble looks up to. If that's the case, why would you not want that guy in your group? I mean, I think Kevin Nolan, like bless his heart, did a great job captaining, captaining us. I think he did well, um, you know, grand, grand servant of the club, but is he still too closely removed from the club? You know what I mean? Like, is he going to have that same commanding presence that somebody like a Joel Cole, somebody like a Tony Cotty, right? Like Tony's been getting up and he's been ta- saying all this stuff, you know, um, as a pundit on his thoughts on, on West Ham and the state of things and what they need to do to improve. Why not bring somebody like that in? Why not bring a club legend that absolutely still has the passion, still has the fire? I think that's ultimately the biggest problem that we're running into here is that we don't have enough players on the field at any one time that do bleed claret and blue. And I think that's ultimately exactly what we need is those guys that even when the chips are down, when, when you know, you've got to claw and fight your way back into that win or into that draw, I don't think we have the players with that mindset. And we need guys on the coaching staff that can change the mindset. Paul Nevin, can he do it? I don't know. That's, that's yet to be seen. But is that the gamble you want to take when you're in a relegation fight? I, I'm just going to say this. Let me get, let me hear this straight. You're frustrated with the fact that West Ham United are dipping into pools that they shouldn't be dipping into to try and find answers. Absolutely. You're, yeah. you're, ladling, you're ladling into the, 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 the tide of the pond at this point. And I just want to tell you that I'm glad that you've finally seen the light. I'm glad that you're coming over because this is the same shit we've been doing when we're searching for managers, same shit we're doing when we're searching for players, and now it's the same shit we're doing when we're looking for assistant coaches. The The point is this. Whoever is calling the shots, and you know we know, we know that there's three names that we can all throw out. We know that. But whoever is calling these shots, Liam, the truth of the matter is this. We have no damn direction. And when you have no direction and you don't understand what this club needs, because th- this is what I've started to realize, and I, I fought it for too long, but now I'm leaning into it. I'm falling down the trap, and I am not even looking to grab onto anything. The point is this. The bottom line is what really matters to two of the three of our of these people. And they're always going to win because they outnumber the other. I believe Gold is a West Ham fan. Yeah. I do believe it. But I think Sullivan and Brady 
are more concerned with the bottom line. And it's very eerie. I went back and watched Iron Man. I watched it. And there's a key moment when they're at Sullivan's house. And he goes, well, moving to the stadium is only going to get you an extra 20, 30 minutes. It's not going to buy a profitable player, but it'll buy a mid-level player. He was already telling us right there that he is not going to break the bank for anybody. Yep. But he is going to put a lot of gold and another uh, couple of uh, bowling lanes in his goddamn home. As, so, as one does. I mean, really. You can never have too many bowling lanes. Look. that's true you know we're living the wrong life aren't we true true i you know it just when i look at it liam like let's take a look and i understand i'm gonna look at owners and i'm gonna look at owners of sports teams that are successful and, and people that are constantly relevant in America, the most famous franchise, our Manchester United, as much as it pains me to say, is the Dallas Cowboys. Their owner is a man by the name of Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones will do whatever it takes to make the Dallas Cowboys great. He'll spend whatever money. He'll bring in whatever high-priced free agent. He'll do whatever it takes. Same thing happens at a club like Chelsea with Abramovich. Abramovich did the same thing. When he took over Chelsea, they were a mid-level side. Yeah. You know, they weren't, they weren't horrible. They weren't great. But he took them. And he said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make him great. Same thing with the Sheik who took over Man City. Oh, my gosh. You think of, like, what, eight years ago, nine years ago? Man City was not a top-level side. Like, it's only been within the last couple of years that they have really elevated themselves to the upper echelon. But it's the, it's, the, it's the investors that are okay with taking a loss. They have enough revenue elsewhere that they can take a loss in the, in the football realm, the football world. Because they just want to see the team win. They don't care if it comes out of pocket because they're not worried about it. Golden Sullivan and Brady look at this club as a means for them to make, to, to be enriched, a way for them to line their pockets. I do not believe that they look at this club and go, well, I want us to be successful on the field. They look at it as, okay, if we are, cool, but as long as we stay up, we're fine. That's really that's the end result for them. And as as a lot of that information came to light recently where you know they can sell the club and not have to pay taxpayers but if they sell by like 2021 or something, it does kind of fall in line with that, well, if we do get relegated and the the, the rent fee for London Stadium goes down, Player wages, most of them have a 50% pay cut in their contract. So now your payer, player wages drop drastically. So they don't have to pay their players as much. They're not paying as much in rent. They don't have to pay back the tax payers. At that point, I think that they do unload it. So I almost think that they don't give a shit if we get relegated or not. And to me, that is not the owner that I want. At the end of the day, I need somebody that bleeds Claire in blue. I need somebody that is in tears when we lose a match. I want it to mean that much to them because it means that much to me. couldn't agree. And the owners that I've mentioned, that's the way they are. They care tremendously about their team. For the Sheik, it's bragging rights against his brother. His brother now owns another side in the Premier League. So my my point is always going to be this. Your direction, your leadership, the person at the top, whatever their soul says and what they want, the direction they're going to point the club is what matters. When you have – there's an old saying – if you have two guys, you don't have one guy. And this is my point. We have a three-headed monster, or let me rephrase that, a three-headed nightmare <laughs> standing at the top of West Ham United. And we don't have a situation right now where we have a clear direction because there's, there's a power struggle there. One is above the, uh, the other two, and we all know that he's the one cashing the checks. And he's the one that, in my personal opinion, is causing the most strife because when somebody comes and says, this is the player we need, this is the cost, immediately the question is, well, um, well can we get him for less? That shouldn't be the question. Yeah. Can we because, get him on loan? Yeah, because yeah. that, that's my point. Abramovich doesn't do that. And I'm not saying that he has money like Abramovich. That guy is a Russian gangster billionaire. I understand that. And I understand he doesn't have oil money like the Sheik does. And I understand that he doesn't have the oil money that Jerry Jones does. I get it. But the point is this. Instead of asking the question, how can we do it to fit me? The question should be said this. Okay, how do we pay the man what he's asking? And let's start working that angle because that's what we've done. Um, William Carvajal, I believe was his name, from Sporting Lisbon. Um, I believe, uh, If correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I could be. 
But Slavin Bilic made the statement to the owners, he's the key piece, I need him, as a holding defensive mid. He needed that player, and all they did was drag their hands on the transfer, wouldn't pay, I think it ended up being an argument over $3 million. When you're paying $20 million for a player, what is three more million Right at that point? And they did not go and make that purchase, and that ultimately was one of the... uh, falling factors or excuse me deciding factors for Slavin Bilic's demise at West Ham United. So let's look at this for a minute. Let's be let's be honest here. We have a three-headed nightmare leading this club that only one of them can I confidently say wants the best for West Ham United. I'm not going to speak on the other two because it, they've never come out and said it, but we know that Gold has come out and said, I want this to be the greatest club in England. Yeah. He has made not, that statement. Not in London, in England. Like He wants it to be top level. And, you know, I... I, I believe it, but I'm very much the put your money where your mouth is, right? And if it is the, sure, Sullivan's cashing the check, but what, gold has no money? You tell me he can't forego and go, look, Sullivan, if you're not going to pay to get this guy, I will. I'll pay to get this guy. Let's get him. We need him. This is what's going to make us a better team. Like I know that the 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 shares swing in Sullivan's favor, but you can't tell me the rest of that board doesn't have any sort of deciding voice. And if they do, then... I'm saying if they don't, sorry, then they're, what are they even there for? At that point, sell out your shares because you have no impact on the club other than you get to sit in a box. But that's my point, Liam. There's no direction. Yeah. There's no direction. You're pulling in multiple different ways. You have a three-headed nightmare standing up there. It's, you, there's no direction. So this is the thing. It's now starting to leak out that there is the possibility, and everybody, I, I want you to know Christmas might come early here. For a potential takeover. Oh my goodness! Are you and I going to buy the club? I, I, I fucking I wish pool, we could. Are we going to pool our money? I will smash my piggy bank right there, and we, mean, will, we will count the pennies. I'll tell you this right now. At this point, I got. I'll put five on it. I got. Five, I got five. I'll, on I'll it. put five. I'll on put it. five on it. <laughs> so nice. So my my point is always going to be this: there's a potential takeover. There's you know you mentioned this in the pre-production. Obviously, the name that's always going to come up when a, when a takeover comes in because there's a certain company that wants a foothold in England, and that's Red Bull. So we know about Red Bull. We also have heard that there might be a chic or an oil tycoon of some sort that's looking in to possibly taking over West Ham. I want to say it's the guy that he had. He was initially making inquiries towards Newcastle. Uh, to buy it from Mike Ashley, and then obviously that fell apart. I think that was last summer when they were when that was the the possibility. But now um, he's been setting his sights on West Ham. That's the rumor mill. I don't know what the validity is to that, but I don't know. I mean, is that something that you want to see? Do you want to see oil money come in? Because I look at it as if this guy was trying to bid at one club and it didn't work out, and he's just going to bid at the next club. To me, he just wants to own a team. I don't think he really gives a shit what team it is. I'm going to be honest with you. If it's one guy, I want to give it a shot. I'm, I'm ready <laughs> to shake it out. You know, like shake it out. I mean, yeah. I mean, why not give it a shot here? Because the, let's be honest, Liam. We know this doesn't work. Right. What we have right now does not work. So we need something new. So bring him in. If yeah. he, if he fails miserably, I, I I'll apologize for him. But at this point, I don't understand how any West Ham United fan, any supporter of this club, anybody that wants to wear their West Ham United T-shirt walking down the street in London, England, or here in Fresno, California, is going to be proud to wear it right now when you're a joke. Right? They've turned the club into a joke. I mean, I I went over after our match. I had to just, I, I went over to Pine and Palm, which is the home of the Manchester United group here. I've got friends in that group. I went over and I walked in and they all, they all just kind of looked at me and said, oh man, are you okay? Are you, uh, we're sorry. And they were watching the game before we got there. They tuned into our game on NBC Gold because they wanted to see West Ham United and see what that was going on. And then they all were like, we were shocked that it happened. And I just, you know. We lose every week. We lose every week. week. Yeah. You're nothing special. We lose every week. Yeah. And that's just where we're at. I'm sick of singing that song. I'm sick of that song even being in my head. The point is, on a potential takeover, Liam, you ask me how I feel, I'm fucking excited about it. <laughs> and I'm excited about it because I'm sick and tired of the mess that we're in. If, if, if Sullivan came out and said, I fired Brady in gold, 
then I would be, okay, let's try that. That's something new and different. Maybe it's Brady and Gold that are holding them back. I don't know. But whatever's going on right now, this club is clearly making the same mistakes over and over. And the definition of insanity, Liam, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And I'm sick of the same fucking result. How do you feel about it? So with the, with the chic money, I like the idea of it, right? I mean, I like the idea of somebody coming in here that, that – Money is no option, that we can get the pieces that we need. We can get the players that ultimately, like you and I have talked about numerous times about somebody like a John Joe Shelby, right? Where it it is somebody that is going to fight, somebody that is going to put in a shift, somebody that does actually give a crap about this club because he is from London. I love that idea. I love bringing in a bunch of East London hooligans that are going to go out on that pitch and fight week in and week out. Ultimately, that's what we want. We want a team... We don't want us to win all the time. Honestly, if we were that team that was the Manchester Uniteds and the Liverpools of the world, that oh, championship after championship, trophy after trophy, you'd get boring. I know that seems I weird. I disagree strongly, I, but I'll continue. Right, but I mean, to me, it's it, there's. I like the excitement of the up and down, of the roller coaster. Like, yeah, do I want us to win trophies? 100%, absolutely. But I like that this is a, this is a club that keeps you on your toes. I don't think anybody joins... Uh, West Ham as a as a fan or a supporter uh, because we came in expecting glory that we we expected you know uh, league titles and championship uh, uh, trophies week in year year after year we came into it because we like the working class nature of the club we like the history of the club we like that uh, you know this is this is a group of individuals that typically had a lot of fight. And I don't see any of that anymore. So if it's a new ownership that has to buy the players that are going to give us that that uh, that East London mindset, okay, I don't care where they come from as long as their pockets, you know, uh, speaks the right colors. Which, as much as I'm clear in blue, I need it to be green. I want them to start spending some coin. Uh, the flip side of this, right? Who's the other big perennial contender? Red Bull gives you wings. They do. That's but a free plug for you guys, by the way. I know. I can't. You can send the check right here to the care of the Fresno Irons. But with the Red Bull, right? We've, you know, they've taken over Salzburg, right? They take over Leipzig. You said before they've wanted a foothold into the, uh, into the Premier League. But is Red Bull the right fit? Is Red Bull going to come in and go? We give a damn about this club. We're going to spend the money. We want to be a contender. Or are they going to go? We just want to get into the Premier League. And really, I doubt they're going to change the name. You know, I think a lot of people thought they were going to be like RB West Ham or something if if uh, Red Bull comes in. But I think some people have it twisted. RB doesn't stand for Red Bull when you're referring to Salzburg and Leipz- Leipzig. RB in Leipzig stands for Rassen Ball Sport, which basically loosely translates to like race ball sport. That's that's not what RB. So I don't think they would do something like that with West Ham. But you brought up an interesting point. We're probably going to have those two stupid bulls sitting right across the chest. So do you really want to, as much as I'm not, you know, devoted to Betway on the front of my jersey, just like I wasn't devoted to Alpari, maybe I was more devoted to Doc Martin, if you're really going to go back to, to any of the, 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 the old ones or, you know, Dagnum Motors, if you really want to dive back to the old days. Um do you really want to see Red Bull all plastered all over your jersey? Do you want us to look like a NASCAR coat? I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you at this point like uh, here, here's the harsh reality. I, I, I've, I've turned into the, I used to be rainbows and lollipops on the show. I used to be, but I'm pessimistic now and I'm incredibly pessimistic when it comes to West Ham. Here, here's the truth. The old West Ham, the Upton Park, the bowling ground, the chicken run, that, that fear that, you know, teams did not like to come in there because the pitch was tight, you know, that you're going to hear it from the fans and that fear factor. We have to accept the fact that's gone. That, that's, it's yeah. dead. And I, I hate saying it. This new stadium we're in, we have to redefine ourselves. Like we have to, we have to go through a renaissance. And the truth is this. I'm not looking for them to capture the old West Ham. And I think any fan that is doing that, I think you're always going to be disappointed, and I think that's a rough way to support this team because you're always going to be disappointed in what we put out on the field. We have to redefine ourselves. I'm going to tell you the God for honest truth. I don't give a shit if they put that (laughs) Red Bull on everything and have every player tattoo it across their forehead. If we go out there and we play with heart and we play with passion and we're putting W's up there and we're challenging for cups and we're getting into the Champions League like we were promised, then I'm fine with it. I... 
putting a bull on the shirt is not going to stop me from rooting for the Claret and Blue. And I, I agree with you. They're not going to change this name to West Ham Red Bull or Red Bull West Ham. They're not going to do that. This will hands down be the most prestigious club they've ever purchased if they do. And I think they're not just trying to get in Premier League. They're all about Red Bull. So it makes sense for them to have the best possible team they can wearing their stuff. So I think if they got West Ham United, they would do everything in their power to make West Ham the best team in the Premier League, just like they've done at Leipzig. Leipzig is one of the top four teams in the German League. They're second right now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, they're freaking second. But consistently, they're there. They challenge Dortmund. They challenge Bayern Munich. And then there's always a fourth team that pops up in there, but... What was the the guy that just got um, that was just signed to Bayern Munich from like Salzburg? He was like a Red Bull player that was top level as well. Erling Hansing, Halsing, but yeah, like they 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 invest in their academies. That's the biggest thing that I think Red Bull would bring to West Ham United. We are referred to as the Academy of Football, and I just really haven't seen that. I mean, we we let Scully go from the academy system because we apparently didn't think. Uh, that he was worth investing more time in. Like it's, it's bizarre to me that we do not have more of an injection of our youth into the first team. It it seems like that is a regression away from what this club has always stood for. So with Red Bull, I like that they play an attacking style of football. I like that they invest a lot in their academy Um, with, you know, even New York Red Bulls. I was not a fan when they took over, uh, New York Metro Stars. It was like 2005, 2006, I want to say, when they took it over. Um, I didn't like that they renamed the team. I didn't like that they re- that they plastered their stupid logo on the chest. But what was it, 2006, and I think by 2013, they won their first Supporter Shield. So I know, for those that are unfamiliar with MLS, the Supporter Shield is basically like winning the league. I mean, they have MLS Cup, which is a, um, played in a playoff structure. But if you have the best record at the end of the season you get the, the the trophy that is the supporters shield which would be akin to in the premier league winning the league red bull i want to say has done that twice already so yeah they never really had that glory previously red bull was able to do that by spending money bringing in players like sasha question from um from the Belgium League. They brought in Bradley Wright Phillips the son of Ian Wright former Arsenal former West Ham striker uh they brought his son in and he was a very prolific goal scorer still is for New York Red Bull. So yeah, I think that there is the potential for us to really do well with a group like Red Bull supporting us, but uh, there's that fear that things could go insanely wrong because this is West Ham United. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. And we've already mentioned it on the show. Whatever can go wrong seems to go wrong for West Ham, especially this season. Um, (laughs) But I'm just going to to close out my thoughts on this. I'm just going to say this. I'm a firm believer that if Red Bull take over West Ham United, I think it is an irrational fear to think that we're going to become West Ham Red Bulls or anything like that. RB London. <laughs> I think we will always be West Ham United. They have never taken over a team with as much history as West Ham United have. Right. So I think there's going to be too much pushback on that. I think what would happen is they would be West Ham United, but that Red Bull is going to be very prevalent in the stadium on the kit. It's going to be everywhere. Um, and, and, and you know what? And if they inject new life into the club and if they, they put a new thing, like you talked about bringing in the youth, let's take a look at the youth. We have Declan Rice, Nathan Holland, Ben Johnson, Grady Diangana. We have players that are, that in my honest opinion should be starting for West Ham United. Yeah. All those names I just said within the next two seasons they should all become full-time starters and when you're promoting when you're promoting from within you're very attractive for young talent to come to you because they're like i can get on the pitch pretty quick if i go to play for west ham united so i don't fear red bull at all and i think it's an irrational fear what i fear is the current group continuing on and not understanding that whatever they thought they could do whatever they thought they could do they haven't been able to do it. Right. So what do you do? You take your lumps. You go home. You sell the club. You make some money. And then if you want to get back into it, you go buy another club and ruin them and stop ruining <laughs> us. They could buy Tottenham if they screw us up. <laughs> oh, I, I love that idea. Well, coming up this weekend, we have um, an incredibly tough match. We go to an incredibly tough stadium. Um, we have to go play Man City on their home field. 
Right. Um, it, it's not going to be easy. Uh, we know what they can throw at it. There's no need to run through the lineup. You know the names. You know who the coach is, Pep Guardiola. Um, it's a situation right now where West Ham need points, and it doesn't matter who we're playing. We have to try to find a way to get them. So simply looking at it, there's not a very good shot we're going to win this match. So I'm going to make this real easy on the game preview. Before I ask you your prediction, I want you to give me how does West Ham United get anything out of this game? Not win it, just how do they get anything? I think this is this is a classic case of sit and counter. I mean, you know, Pep, Pep Guardiola loves to play the possession game, so he's going to he's going we're going to surrender a exorbitant exorbitant amount of possession in this match. But to be fair, we did against Brighton as well. I think at one point the stats were like seventy five twenty five when it came to to possession. So it, it's. We are not the team that is going to string together 19, 20 passes and then, you know, basically, uh, goal rush and then pass it into the back of the net. We are absolutely the nick, nick a goal off of a set piece or, uh, counter and, and hope that, you know, they make a mistake or can't keep up with us. And with Jared Bowen potentially making a start on this next match, there is definitely the potential of an injection of pace up at the top. Now, whether or not he decides to couple that with Alaire and continue to give him uh, a run out on the, on the, uh, the, the starting lineup, or if he decides to tie him up with Antonio and try to inject a little bit of fight and pace into that front line, we have yet to see. I mean, we'll, we'll know, you know, Saturday morning when the team sheet gets announced or Sunday morning, I want to say when the team sheet gets announced. But this, to me, it is absolutely going to have to be your, you have to be patient. Let them, you know, you're going to have to cede possession to the other team and you're going to have to hope that when you are able to pull the ball, when you are able to step in and make that tackle, you have to play quick. You're going to have to play up to the front and we're absolutely going to have to maximize in our chances. Now that I have said that out loud, I don't think we've done that at all this entire season. So it's going to be very difficult for, for me to have faith that we're going to really be able to walk out of here with a point. If we can, I'm open for a nil nil draw. Uh, the, I, I don't, I don't see a lot of hope. Um, as I told you, I'm being incredibly pessimistic now. Uh, if, if you ask me what's the one thing that gives you – I don't really see a tactical way we can win, to be honest with you. Um, it's more going to be Man City can't be on their game, which I think that's where it lies. Uh, Man City this year have not played you know, to what we thought they were. And when I look at why, I think when you have a guy, a perfectionist like Pep Guardiola, constantly never satisfied, always coaching, you just go score six goals and he's telling you how you could have got seven, that can wear on somebody. You know, that can wear on somebody, and I think it's wearing on the players. So I I think if West Ham are going to get anything out of this game, it's going to be because in that strive for perfection that Manchester City are always trying to go for, especially Pep Guardiola, there, you know, when a mistake happens, you're really hard on yourself and you start to second guess. And that's where I think West Ham can find an opportunity to play well in the game. But if Man City play their game, I just don't see any way we get anything out of it. Well, it, and it's difficult because if you look at all the teams uh, for goal differential with uh, obviously Liverpool has the, the best goal differential. But when you look at goals actually scored, Man City has actually put in five more goals than what Liverpool has this season. But they've also conceded almost twice as many. So with Liverpool only allowing 15 goals, Man City's allowed 29. So there's absolutely the possibility for us to be able to find the back of the net if we have a good nay. You know, if we are firing on all four cylinders, if the team comes out to battle, ready to rock and roll, we absolutely can put it to Man City. But we have to be stalwarts in this back line. We need Ogbana and Diop to play like they did in that Chelsea game, where it was just absolute communication between the two of them, top to bottom, front to back. There was never a moment where I did not think that they were on the same page. We cannot play like we did against Brighton. Agreed. Give me your prediction for the game. Uh, Man City, West Ham. I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's either going to be a 0-0 or a 1-1. I think it will be a low-scoring game because I think both teams will be a little bit cagey, especially with Man City coming off of the loss to Tottenham. And that's exactly why I think we lose 3-0. I think we lose 3-0 because Pep Guardiola doesn't very, very, very rarely in his career does he ever lose back-to-back games. I think he'll have that team focused and ready. I think he'll put guys on the pitch that haven't gotten a shot in a while, and I think they're going to want to prove something to Pep because of how they want to play. 
and I think it's not going to go well for West Ham. So I have us going down 3-0. Who is your man of the match? Uh, Snodgrass, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, Ogbonna seems to be hitting a little bit of a low point, even though he will probably still take hammer of the year. Uh, I think that Snodgrass, as always, puts in a fantastic shift. And to kind of piggyback off of what you just said is that is why I think we will draw, is that I think that uh, Pep will play the youth, and he will underestimate West Ham. He will go into it going, these guys are 18th. This is not going to be a difficult game. And I think that that is where we have the potential to, to nick a point. But knowing Pep being Pep, he may just go, you know what? Let's build like, some confidence back into the team and let's go out and absolutely crush these guys. Couldn't disagree with you more. <laughs> but uh, my my man of the match is, um, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to go something crazy and just go with Declan Rice. The reason I'm going with Declan is because I think he will play well. Things have not gone well for him this year. But I think he's a very strong player, and I don't see him really get beat off the ball that much. So I think he's going to cause some problems for Man City, but they're just going to have too much going forward. Um, it's now time for everybody's favorite part of the show. This is the yellow and red cards. With your permission, Liam, normally you go first here. Is it okay if I go first? I would love it if you did. So I- I'm going to give my uh, yellow card to Mikel Antonio. Now, hold on. <laughs> Hear me out. Boom. Hear me out. I- I'm giving it to Mikel Antonio for one reason, and it'll make more sense when I get to my red card. Mikel, you're a very powerful player. Um, you're a big guy. I understand it. You you, you got to stop looking tired out there. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to get pulled off the pitch. So my yellow card goes to you, not for anything you did in your play. It's just don't look tired, so you don't get pulled off the pitch. You gotta you gotta fake it. Okay, you just got to fake it, stay on the other side, show your back to the manager, have players create a wall where they can't see you breathing hard. Don't bend over on your knees. If you need a breath, go tie your shoes. You know, come on. We all did it when we were younger. Mikel, I know you know how to do it. That's why you get my yellow card. Who's yours? Oh, my yellow card absolutely has to go to uh, Mr. Moyes. So the... And it's not for the poor substitutions in the Brighton match, right? It's, it's not the, it's not any one specific thing within this, this, uh, run of bad matches that we've had because I think as much as I want to put the ownership on him, I have to put a lot of it on the players as well because I just don't think we've been performing, uh, the way that we should. We saw it in Brighton. Or no, sorry. We, we saw in the Brighton game that, they put their heads down and completely give up, capitulate to the other team. But then you look at Bournemouth, and we can we can fly high. We can we can win with the best of them. So we know it's in there. We just need it to be more consistent. And Moyes came out from the get go when they did the first press interview, and they said, "Why are you the right man to replace Pellegrini? Why are you the right man for the job?" And he goes, "Because I win. You don't though." Moise, you really don't. And if you look at your win-loss record after leaving Everton, I want to say it's less than 29% win ratio. Like, Did he really say that? Yeah, he said, because <laughs> I win, I'm a winner. It's what I do. Like, I get it. You're trying to hype things. You're, you're in the press conference. Nobody's going to come out in a press conference and go, well... I'm actually a dog shit manager and I'm just here for a payday. Like nobody's going to come out and say that he's, but he's got to say what people want to hear. He's got to come out here and say the right things, but then you've got to back it up. You have to make sure that what you do on the pitch resonates with what you, what you believe you're going to do for this club. And I'm just absolutely not seeing it. So as much as I will continue to back Moyes, he is the manager just as I backed Pellegrini until it was absolutely apparent that he was not going to be able to take this club forward. So I say to some degree, I'll give Moyes a pass on the next two games. But after that, I need to see him operate at a different level than he has. I see your yellow card and I raise it to a red because my <laughs> red card 100% goes to David Moyes nice. for everything you just said and the things I didn't even know that he said, oh, I'm a winner. Bullshit, you're a winner. You beat fucking Bournemouth and some... Gillingham. Cha- <laughs> sounds like Gilligan's Islands, what I thought we were playing. So, I, no, I you get my red card because... The one job you have right now, this season, not you're not next season, just the rest of this one, is to keep us out of the relegation zone. And since you've come in, remember, we were in 16th when we fired Pellegrini. We are now in 18th, and he's gone. So not only have you come in, 
but you've done you've managed to put us in a worse position <laughs> since then and i will never forgive you for pulling off one antonio he has to stay on the pitch unless he tells you he wants to come off he stays on in fact you know what Antonio decides if he comes off. You just save a substitution <laughs> in case you need it. Um, and then pulling off the guy with two goals, I mean, that just tells you it's his day. And he let, was pissed. Yeah. When Snodgrass came off, he was pissed. Yeah, you, you let it, you stay on there. So you get my red card, David Moyes. And, and in all honesty, a yellow and a red, that should at least be a 17-year ban from West Ham United. I like it. I fully back and support that 100%. So my red card, uh, this one... I feel like it's almost every week I go with the with the board, but um, this was something that I thought was really interesting. So Cameron Robson actually uh, at the Liverpool match was one of the flag bearers. So you know these up pitch side waving the flag, uh, but he wore a, a GSB out shirt underneath his jacket. So he gets up there, is waving the flag, unzips the jacket, and multiple photos come out. Uh, obviously, it was a nice little black eye for the board, the fact that he wasn't uh, thoroughly vetted before being allowed onto the pitch. And uh, they gave him a uh, ban till the end of the season. So it's a season-long ban now. Uh, I get it. It's, it's a black eye for the board, but you are being so petty, so juvenile, that you cannot take this criticism. And I get it, like... You 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 see these things like what well, what David Gold has been liking tweets where people are calling other West Ham supporters Neanderthals and morons. That's not a good look, David Gold. Sullivan, this is not a good look for you. And you know it was Brady and her cronies were the ones that were issuing these letters. They've issued bans to military personnel that allowed their family members to use their tickets to go and watch these matches played. And it was only in, only after it came became public and it was an even bigger black eye for the board that they rescinded that ban. But then they turn around and stick their foot back in their mouth. It, it is absolutely a circus, the way that they are trying to run things. And everything is a knee-jerk reaction to any form of criticism. We talked a little bit about the uh, Sunday supplement being overly critical of the board. And then they tried to slap them with a lawsuit. And unfortunately, Sunday Supplement came out with a nice little apology to avoid it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're fucking with Sky Sports. This is your paycheck. This is your money. How many games do you really think they're going to put as the the premier game for people to watch? No, we are going to be the absolute earliest game. Expect If we do stay up, expect only 4.30 a.m. matches for us because they are not going to give us prime time hours after this. They do. The board does not know who they're fucking with. They, they do not know when it comes to messing with your fan base, and now you're trying to mess with your paycheck. Get it together, red card. Love it. Absolutely love it. And I'm just going to elaborate and say this. We've seen governments that treat their their people that way. By any time you raise a, a flag or a concern or anything, magically you get banned or in other ways disappear. So yeah. we've seen that. I'm not going to hint too much at it. The point's always going to be this. There needs to be a change. Let's pray for a takeover. Who gives a shit if it's Trojan condoms? <laughs> Somebody come in and save us from the three-headed nightmare that is Gold, Sullivan, and Brady. And on that note, I want you to know that if you find yourself in the Central Valley of California, this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. West Coast time, we will be at Tap and Cellar, home of the Fresno citizens. We're going to take over their pub. We're going to invade them. We're going to get loud as hell. And as always, I want you to know that you are always invited. And to the man that got banned for in a GSP shirt, the Fresno Irons have given you a lifetime supply of beer. <laughs> so if you show up, your beers are on us. Liam, it's always a pleasure doing the show with you. Always. And as always, come, come on, on, you irons. irons.